Welcome back, everybody, to the Better Board Games podcast. I'm McKay Anderson, and I'm here with my co-host, Evan. Hello. And <laughs> let's see. We, If you are new to the show, welcome. We try to make the world a better place for board gaming and through board gaming. I guess it's a bit of a perfecting process to uh, learn <laughs> how to be in board gaming, how to be a better person, and... Uh, how can we use board games to make the world a better place? Is that is that our tenant? That is a that is our tenant. Um, well, <laughs> we we just really have the conviction that um, games and just play in general is a is a tool or is a um, almost like a sculpting that happens to us, and we find that as we play games or what. Um, we learn about ourselves, we learn about each other, we grow um, closer to each other, and we kind of see where our weaknesses lie. Today we are talking about the eight types of fun, a theory from Mark LeBlanc about the, just the nature of games. And we're gonna talk about what, what they all are, what that means for us, what maybe ask the question, what are our favorite ones? Um, what, what do we find the most fun? and just see where that conversation takes us, so. Uh, we're gonna give a quick shout out to our sponsor, which is Big Viking Mats. If you're looking for a custom cut play mat for your table, a thick, nice something to protect your games and your table, Big Viking Mats does a great job. I believe their URL is www.vikingmats.com. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say, personal experience, I've enjoyed having the mat a lot. Um, it makes a, a playing a game especially enjoyable, and that's actually one of the types of fun. We'll get a little bit into that. Um, one of the types of fun is directly involved with why we think that getting a table play mat is worth it. So actually one of the, so jumping back into uh, the podcast, we've kind of, I don't know, settled into some pillars, I guess, that support our podcast. And I think one of those pillars is kind of exploring yourself and the ways that you have fun and enjoy board games. This is both like a collection of analyzing why you enjoy board games um, and just mm -hmm. how you can, waste less time playing games that you don't like to play. I mean, not that we shouldn't be looking to broaden our horizons <laughs> or, or play games that your friends want to play. <laughs> exactly. You still want to do that. Don't want to waste my time. So yeah, no, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> Dang. Never say that. Um, but these, this episode is definitely along those lines. Um, we, Evan had brought this, uh, this theory to my um, attention and I really like the idea of trying to analyze and figure out what type of fun you relate to. This is kind of like the theory of love languages, but it's like fun it really languages. Is. <laughs> love languages for board games. So that's that's why I'm excited to talk about it. I've gone through the list, but just what we're basically going to do, I think, is go down the eight different categories of fun and talk about some of the games that fit into the categories. And of course, all board games are going to be a spectrum of these fun scales. Um, we're going to see games that will fit into multiple categories. 
but hopefully through looking at some of these, hearing about some of the games that fall into these and identifying which ones of those you've played and enjoyed, you can start pinpointing why you find fun in board games. That's right. So we'll, we'll jump right into what they are. There are eight of them. Um, there are eight different kinds of fun. Exactly eight. No more, no less. Although I listened to a podcast about these types of fun and one of the guys on the podcast immediately was like, I think there's a ninth one. So we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> the, the potential bonus ninth one at the end. But um, yeah, so let's, let's do this. Do we want to read all of them just straight up or just do one at a time and dive into each separately? I think one at a time. Let's, let's uh, keep them baited. Um, <laughs> I think really quick, it might be worth talking about who put this list together and a little bit of his uh, background. So this list, this list is uh, generated by Mark LeBlanc, Mark LeBlanc, and he is, he has a master's in computer science and he comes mostly from the world of video games. We're not going to be talking about this list in the context of video games, because if he's correct in these eight different categories being the eight different kinds of fun, then they should apply to board games. I mean, really, even just the way that kids prefer to play on a playground, which we've talked about yeah. previously, this should be like how we feel fun. So um, Mark LeBlanc, that's his kind of credentials. He comes from the video game world, very illustrious career in video games. We're excited to see how this applies to board games. Yeah, so one of the, um, in the paper he published about this, one of the things he, he sort of frames at the beginning is that um, games are broken down into these distinct components. It goes from rules to systems to quote, off quote, fun. Um, it's from the rules that creates the systems and it's the systems that are where the fun is, I guess, lies. And they're designed counterparts, which is mechanics, dynamics and aesthetics and all of these come together to create the game um and again the rules and systems create the fun um and so yeah the, that's that's where the game begins and that's where the eight types of fun then begin to i guess express themselves in a specific game um and again all these games as we're suggesting um every game in the world at least has probably one of these types of fun. Otherwise, it's not fun, um, which is possible, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but <laughs> I guess this idea in general, games that you find fun, they're going to attribute a few of these, as well as you may be able to find as a player which ones you more m matter most to you. Um, so just be paying attention to what we're saying and be like, oh, that's the one for me. Um, I'm sure that, that, that that's... So as we're explaining all of these eight different types of fun, just ask yourself the question, which one is the most fun for me? And it's probably a handful of like, probably three of them. I don't know. I was going to say, I think there's like one or two that I'm like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really uh, have any affinity for that one. But most of these, I'm like, oh yeah, there's something there. Um, but there are definitely some that are strongest for me and we can identify those as we go through them. Mm-hmm. All let's right. start with let's start with number one number one that he gives is sensation so these are games that are sense pleasures games that evoke emotion in a player be it through sound visuals um in the case of like video games a controller rumble um 
it even lists like physical effort as a sensation, which I actually really like. Um, <laughs> having this like uh, physical tactile like effort or task, um, this uh, let's see something that's difficult to do being a sensation. I really yeah. liked that. It sounds like sports would be in this category, just in general. That's true. Um, the the physical sense, like obviously sports are very physical, um, right. but like even like ping pong. Um, mm -hmm. what, so it's interesting. It's it's a combination of the um, the effort and the um, physical like almost challenge that happens. Um, that makes ping pong one of the one of the games that is fun because of the sensation but also just the way that it feels to hit the ping pong ball right there, there's something about that distinct feeling and sound and whatnot that like actually is one of the reasons why ping pong is fun and that was actually one of the when ping pong was designed and created i mean that's where you get the name the ping pong is the um, relation of the sound so the sound was actually a major part of the design of ping pong how they design the um, paddles. I almost called it a paddles, racket. Paddles, the ball. Yeah, it's all designed around this idea of sensation. But let's get into board games. Evan, what's a board game that fits into sensation? So truthfully, a lot of board games do just by the nature of they are physical objects mm -hmm. and they are beautiful things. Um, and for me, that's one uh, one of the reasons why I do love love board games i don't know how, how high sensation is on my list of most i guess like important types of fun for me um one of them that comes to mind very quickly is crokinole crokinole is a dexterity game so it has that physical effort as well as it's just satisfying to flick the discs mm -hmm. and send it towards the middle and if you if you get that perfect shot it just feels good and right. it is just fun because of the way that it feels and the um, the physical effort that was put into it. And Crokinole is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a large wooden game. Like it's one of those things that if you have it, you have it. If you don't, <laughs> it's yeah. not it, the easiest game to get your hands on, right? It's expensive to get a to get a nice quality board, but it's like one of those things that you just are happy to own. Right. Um, I don't own a board. My friend does. He got a, he kickstarted the recent, there was a large production of, crokinole boards and they're trying to make them basically as cheap as they could mm -hmm. and they made like a nice product for for cheap and so it's like that's nice definitely that's not cool. as nice as one of those really expensive boards but one day i kind of do just want to splurge on one i was gonna say this is one of those like look for a crokinole board and google it now if you don't know what crokinole is um it it would be an awesome like yard sale find that some kid cleans oh, out their grandparents yeah. house and they're just like what is this thing and if you can get one that way, they're one of those things that are kind of like a pass it down, like <laughs> heirloom yep. type thing. Um, yep. And that's honestly um, a great thing to look for at yard sales and secondhand stores and stuff like that. And um, one thing about, I just want to add about Crokinole, basically yeah. just a shout out to Crokinole. It's <laughs> not only a nice object and it doesn't only just feel good to flick. It's like a brilliantly designed game. Yeah. Like it's so good. 
it's so good it's like so worth playing anyways um <laughs> along those same lines i actually i found a great uh board game rental place uh by me and i got ice cool because i had seen you play it on your youtube channel yes um which is being friends everybody go subscribe to evan's youtube channel being friends yes um <laughs> And I was like, okay, if a bunch of like a uh, college age guys can play uh, ice cool, I got it for me and my younger kids as well. But it, it's weirdly satisfying when you see like those little, it's basically weeble wobbles that you're flicking like through doorways to collect fish in this uh, penguin high school fantasy. <laughs> it sounds out there, but um, very satisfying. My son flicked it and he, passed through like three doors in this perfect arc obviously on accent because he's four um <laughs> but all of us just like our jaws dropped and we just looked at each other like did he just do that it's so it great awesome. there's so many moments like that such a fun game it's again similar reason as crocodile's fun right. um it's that sensation so i think all dexterity games land here yeah really solid also game. there's a lot of board games that are just great to look yeah. at and great to play and some honorable like some honorable mentions that maybe aren't based around sensation but have just some indisputable like components that deal with sensation um i think that's why everdell is so successful i keep telling people like everdell is not that dynamic or that interesting of a game at its core everdell is actually like pretty simplistic but just to pull it out put together the evertree the components the berries are like the squishy pvc the yep. resin is like a hard translucent plastic like the resources just feel so good to just yep. handle and have in your hands that you can't help but have a fun time playing the game just because the components are just so edible <laughs> that which, makes sense. which is honestly like that experience of everdell is honestly proof that sensation is is especially fun um right and there's a lot of, i think a lot of examples of that like i know i think a lot of people would say i mostly like this game because of the way that it feels or the way that it looks or like the components or whatever i feel like that, that that happens at least at least sometimes yeah and this really this often. has honestly been good for me to think about because for a while i thought that was like i was being had by the designer that they had <laughs> designed this in a way to manipulate me into playing the game when it's actually not that good of a game but no that's, that it's why we play games is to have fun hard. and if that's a part of the fun of the game is how it feels to sit behind and just look at why mm -hmm. is that wrong yeah seriously I, I whatever is fun honestly like right. and that's 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 the whole point whatever is fun is fun so we should probably move on to number two i'll let you introduce it evan we're gonna not right. gonna have time for all things at this rate <laughs> all right so number two is fantasy or games as make-believe and a way for a player to go to another world um that immersion the um the sensation that you are in another place um you are part of another story you are another person mm -hmm. um is fun it's incredibly fun so it's it's games that are all about this not necessarily all about the story but like specifically about the um the world and the i think it's like the immersion factor like immersion. how how for far sure. can you get into it and just like leave Forget. your current world behind for a minute and just be there it's so great this is like uh avatar of 
like if you're talking the cinema world, this is Avatar, right? Where you walked out of the theater and it was just like, I forgot for a legitimate like three hours that reality was a thing. And I was just yep. immersed in this world of blue people and floating islands. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So um, very obviously what comes to mind is role-playing games. Um, yes. The, the whole premise is fantasy. Obviously not just like fantasy as like a genre. Um, right. Because some role-playing games aren't fantasy. Um, but it's like this idea that I am in another world Mm-hmm. and doing another thing and it's just and really I, fun i think this is why why role-playing games sometimes get a bad rap and just like non-board game culture and non-nerd culture um because it's so immersive that people go as far as dressing up speaking in different voices like this is like it's what some people need in that like fun factor and it's it's it definitely gets a little bit further out there and you'll see that most games have this as at least a part of it um this like fantasy of like hey i'm doing something that i normally wouldn't be a part of um but yeah rpgs are where you really see this sing where people just get so immersed that it really almost becomes another personality um their character that they play (laughs) in rpg that's the that's the premise that's the whole point i hope I hope your character is a different personality. Otherwise, it's just boring. <laughs> right. Really. Why would you want to be yourself in a role-playing game? Then it's right. not a role-playing Although, game. There is a role-playing game system. It's like a zombie apocalypse um, theme. And your character that you play is just you, just directly translated to the game. That's funny. Which sounds super fun, actually. That I almost feel like that would be too dark and like socially revealing. <laughs> as you I like. Hope- I hope it would be. <laughs> oh man, I I would be scared to sit down and play that game with people just because of what would come out of my own like. I mean, psyche. As long as you're not <laughs> killing your friends to, for your own good. But would I? That's what I don't know. In that situation, I, I I might be that person. I know that I wouldn't, so I'm not nervous. Um, but you whatever whatever you, whatever uh, I don't know. The fact that I'm nervous <laughs> says a lot about me, I guess. Right. <laughs> Um, other games that I think of are games like Arkham Horror. I'm thinking about the board game. I've never played the board game. I've only played the the card game. Yeah. Both, I think, apply. It is very much about this immersion into this world and into this story. Um, and like that's one of the main the main reasons why the game is so fun because not only is it like a mechanically enjoyable experience, but you you just feel like you're in the world yeah um and that honestly that that is a huge accomplishment as well as incredibly like notable as like one of the aspects of fun so so fantasy is fantasy is great yeah and the other the next one number three is actually pretty closely tied to fantasy and that's narrative so obviously dungeons and dragons and other rpgs um can go hand in hand with this idea of fantasy and narrative um without a narrative fantasy doesn't necessarily have to fall flat but it's very likely to it's it's definitely incredibly they're both very important to each other um and i as we were talking about fantasy was having a hard time not saying it's the story um right because there's something about story that just like inherently is the um the immersion in the world is, is just important it's just an important part of the story so yeah, but this is separate. This is a separate type of fun. 
And this was when we were coming up with games to put in these categories. I think that was the difficult part was isolating some that were more about the narrative and less about like the you getting into that, like that character, because that's a little different um, from the fantasy. Two that immediately spoke to me were Secret Hitler and Fog of Love. Interesting. Um, so Secret Hitler and Secret Hitler, if you don't know, like you're either the fascists or the, oh man, what's the other one? The liberals. Um, the liberals, that's right. And basically you're like an American sense it sense of Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a Germany sense. Um and then you have somebody who's Hitler and somebody who is, I guess, Hitler and the fascists are trying to elect the Chancellor and the Emperor to be um the two people in power at the same time. Anyway, it's a fantasy that people like I think it's the narrative devoid of the fantasy because nobody really wants to get into their character as a fascist and you're not asked to. Um, <laughs> the only thing you're trying to do is just pass these like fictitious fascist laws. Um, it would be wrong for that game to really try and get you in the headspace of <laughs> being a fascist in Hitler's right. regime. Um, it's purely just theme, but this narrative of like these two sides like pushing and pulling and figuring out like who's who it creates this drama that is really um thick i don't know how to how else to explain it. it's almost like you have this like tactile fog around the table that you just don't trust people and that's like this narrative of drama that you like to recount later i mean these are these are games that create stories that's a, that's a great example of a game that attributes some amount of narrative without fantasy. I, that's right. definitely difficult. Um, but yeah, that's super interesting. Um, so there are games that like are narrative games. Um, I guess like Arkham Horror <laughs> would also like show up again, or like um, the Lord of the Rings, the card game, which is a very similar game. Yeah, um, games that like literally take you through a narrative. It has a lot of story cards, a lot of like, or say like a, a legacy game, a lot of story cards, a lot of like, here's the story. And, and that's fun and stuff. Um, and a lot of people love when the game is like directly tied to a story um, or in video game sense, like a lot of those sort of campaign games. But what I love most in, in games when it comes to narrative is, um, sort of when the game tells a story that only a game can tell. Yeah. So games like the all new Oath. Mm, um, I've been anxious for that one. It's really good so far. I played it once. It's really good. We're going to play it again really soon live as well as Ooh. probably make some gameplay videos separate from live. Um, and probably other content about Oath. We're, we're excited about Oath. Um, anyhow, Oath, Pax Pamir. Um, and Spirit Island are all three games that I find tell a story that it's just through what is going on, through what the players are doing. Um, it's the kind of story that you go, like, if you don't pay attention, you won't even notice it because it's not a narrative in the, mm -hmm. the literal sense of the term, but it's like, like, for instance, we played a game of Pax Premier on live stream the other day. And what happened was, um, if you don't know how the game works, this might not make any sense, but basically what happened is um, I chose the same 
to, to support the same coalition out of the three as my brother. And he brought a ton of military dominance onto the board um, with that coalition. I just tried to impress them by giving them gifts and whatnot. And so they actually liked me more. Um, so they were like, this guy's the most loyal one here. And so whenever the dominance check happened, I got more points than my brother did, even though he was the reason why they're dominant because I impressed them. And then later, um, we, we both ended up switching over to the other side. And I almost even was able to impress another, um, after being the last one to switch over to a different coalition, be able to impress them as well. And anyways, like it all came together. I was like, oh, that's such an interesting, such an interesting story. Um, and it was just the way that the game played out over the whole game. And that kind of narrative for me, I, I didn't tell that narrative very well. Um, just because I can't tell a story doesn't mean it's I was going to say, you'd almost have to know the rule set. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's, you definitely have to understand the rules more for that to make sense. But anyhow, that kind of moment for me, when you zoom out of a game and go, oh, there's a story here. Mm-hmm. That's so fun for me. Yeah, and I think that's where board games stand apart from things like video games or movies that um, yep. force narrative is there's not often a forced narrative. We talked about legacy games um, and stuff like that that do kind of feed you this story that's happening. But yep. mostly you're able to see in a board game like what's happening. And it's not because the board game told it that way. It's because the players decided it was that way. And those are special moments that are really only specific to board games i agree i i think it's it's really cool and whenever a game explores that well it's definitely one of those things it's like this is this is why board games are great all right so moving on to number four which is challenge so this is games that are difficult this is this is games that really try your ability um, to succeed. Um, it, in board games, it's typically a mental challenge, although we do have like the dexterity challenges as well. Um, mm-hmm. This one, there are some really obvious ones and some less obvious ones. Um, first, I thought of like the unlock games. I mean, this new fad of escape rooms and stuff like that. Very clearly, it's all about the challenge. You typically aren't yeah, you're not playing against other players usually. It's just you're clearly there for the mental jujitsu of getting through the game and having that experience. So, spoiler alert, I think Challenge might be my number one. Ooh. My most favorite of all of the types of fun. For me, the, the element of mastery for a game is incredibly satisfying so so learning how to do better learning the depth of strategy the nuanced strategy and playing a game over and over again and becoming so familiar with it that i could call myself a master is incredibly satisfying and that's why i love board games because i think actually a lot of games have this sort of cycle sort of cyclical like nature of they are quick compared to like I guess like a campaign video game, right? Mm-hmm. You you play them in a couple hours versus a fifty hour campaign. Yeah, and it's repeat. Like the game repeats, and it's different every time. Generally, that's the that's the idea. Um, and that I that cycle is so exciting to me. And so 
you'll notice if you ever talk to me about about board games that I obviously really enjoy that. Then if you talk to me about video games, you'll find out that that is true about video games as well because my favorite video games are all um, roguelikes, which are also you like do a run and it takes an hour or so depending on the roguelike and you're trying to get better every time you every every run and it's it's a challenge um Mm -hmm. as well as fighting games which are also quick rounds and you're it's all about just getting better um yeah you probably know pretty immediately if this is one that really speaks to you um evan have you played speedrunners on the switch by chance i haven't okay look it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will. and good. i'll apologize now it's one of the most addicting things i've ever played i love um, speed running in games so. yeah so it's basically just these small levels that are just loops and you yeah, and the that. group are just running as fast as you can just trying not to be the one behind um and then as soon as somebody slips off the screen they die and the screen is constantly getting like smaller and smaller so people are dying faster and faster um it's incredibly addicting and i think that's part of the challenge mechanic you'll find that i think they're typically kind of these like shorter digestible experiences where you can just like okay let's try again um you'll find like cooperative games will often sit in this because it's the players against the game um and also just like some really aggressive head-to-head like battling it out card games like magic the gathering and stuff like that all kind of fall into this challenge category like magic the gathering and the 10 other card games that are better (laughs) evan doesn't have much good to say about magic the gathering i have i have a few poignant good things to say about magic and then a lot of poignant bad things to say about magic and then a ton of really good things to say about other card games (laughs) oh by the way i this new board game store that i found that rents board games they have ashes um oh, nice. that i can rent so oh, heck yeah. i'm thinking i'll get that at some point um but definitely, i'll have to definitely check it out it's a great game me and my wife will have to get to more of a we play board games at night space rather than we yeah <laughs> just wish the baby would come uh point which due some date was contact. yesterday any day now any day baby's coming yes thank heaven Okay, anything else to say about challenge games? Um, I have a lot to say about challenge games, but I think we'll leave it at that. The, the idea is like games that are difficult. Yeah. If that sounds fun to you, then you you're, you already know it. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. don't think that you have to learn it. I think you already know it. And this uh, is a good example of like two types, um, two types of fun that fall into like one game category, like skill and action um there's a huge amount of challenge in skill and action games just uh figuring out just because our bodies are hard to handle and manipulate yeah um but you kind of get challenge and sensation falling into this beautiful combination that is skill and action this um this describes it as games that provide the players with highly competitive value or with increasingly difficult challenges um and so that's definitely where like some of my favorite games lie. Um, some of those games like Spirit Island, they give you in- so many tools to make it difficult. So yeah. many. It's insane. Um, as well as some of my favorite competitive games are the ones that just like really feel it, like a competition. Like, like it, it's not just that everyone's trying to be the best, but it's like everyone can be the best if they are the best, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I have to think about that, actually. <laughs> 
the next type of fun is fellowship, which is, which is games as a social framework. Um, often those games have social interactions as its core or as a big feature. This is one that I don't love. I'll be completely honest. Dang, you don't like people? I like people. I just don't like games making me interact making with people. Making you like people? <laughs> well, I definitely understand that. Yeah. So, see, I like sitting down at a table and I like playing a game with people. Uh-huh. I do not love that game forcing social interaction with those people. Um, for a variety of reasons. If I don't want to be socially interactive with a certain person at the table, I feel like that should be my choice. And I don't want the game to force me into that. Um, And it's also, I don't know, maybe I just have a harder time separating like game interactions with like real life interactions. Somebody who's being extremely like probably unnecessarily aggressive at a game it's a huge put off and I have a hard time just leaving that on the table. I see it as like a weird, like power trip that they're going on. And I make that extension to their personality outside the game. And anyway, I just, I prefer a game that is just like, yeah, we do our own thing on our own boards. Then we compare scores and see who did the best. Like I'm definitely more of a Euro style gamer in that sense. So Um, even, um, so like not non-party games, um which are obviously what we're thinking about yes that's like the huge one with fellowship so like games that are just high interaction in general is that something that that are is something that you'd not necessarily yeah it's a bit off-putting um people complain and say they want more player interaction i'm like no i would actually prefer less player interaction i do a lot of people even go as far as to say that games with low player interaction are nearly not worth existing or like not really games which is a crazy claim. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, do understand the idea, but it's the, it's essentially understand. it's essentially the idea of playing a solo game. Like if you see value in solo gaming, then fellowship is probably not a huge one for you. If you're like, why would I ever play a board game by myself? Then <laughs> fellowship is probably a big yeah. one for you and you probably get a lot of pleasure out of the social interaction that comes from board games and the awkward social scenarios that you have to be in in board games so i i think i love fellowship in games mostly because i love fellowship as a concept your youtube channel is called being friends it's called being (laughs) friends now i do think that it's important for everyone to know i don't love when a game sacrifices good game design for fellowship like if that makes sense which i I feel like is every party game see that's where you haven't played the good party games (laughs) have you played decrypto no i haven't played decrypto brilliant word game have you You mentioned that one before i've played code names i enjoy code names code names is a good word like a really good word game like really good decrypto is brilliant um and it's mostly just sitting around and talking and then sometimes doing the, the word clues or whatever and that game I played a three-hour-long eight-player game of Decrypto once. It should never take that long. Yeah. It did. And it wasn't at all boring because we were all just hanging out. Yeah. And so that was that was okay and good. Um, then there's games like Wavelength, which is basically mostly just a conversation starter with some gameplay involved. 
but it's fun and it works. Okay, and I, I need your list of good party games because I seriously, every time something is like, oh yeah, it's a party game, I'm like, eh, get rid of I it. Totally, I totally get that. And I actually do mostly feel like party games are just less less great. It's What's interesting is that party games are usually word games or just dumb. So <laughs> the thing about party games is they, they try really hard for user-generated content which yes. is they they give the spark and then they expect the players to do something that either makes the players feel funny or totally whatever and i find them i find that they come with an immense amount of pressure or that they're immensely shallow like apples to apples cards against humanity i find them very shallow those are shallow um, they're shallow for a game and they're shallow for the sake of comedy right it's it's low level humor it's i just i don't have anything i played apples to apples the other night with some people who just really wanted to and man it's like <laughs> two or three rounds in i was like i legitimately hate my experience that i'm having right now i was yeah. like it's not funny it's so incredibly painful everyone's just complaining about the cards they have in their hands not matching up with the card on the table it was just <laughs> a wretched experience and i was like i don't i i appreciate that people have fun in different ways i do not understand where the fun comes in that game oh man truthfully there's better there's better games yeah um and those people need to know no <laughs> um so on top of the party games there's also a lot of games that are incredibly social in nature the games with negotiation trading mm -hmm. um with alliances that are breaking and forming and whatnot those are especially interesting um for some people for me i think they are because i do love that kind of like social aspect to a game so games like cosmic encounter yeah. um secret hitler um coup blood on the clock tower just all of those like games that you would say social deduction games those are all great right they are cosmic encounter is less social deduction but has all of those social elements and for some people that sounds like it just makes the game worse whether it's because they're they less want to have those social interactions and dynamics, yeah, or they're less good at those social dynamics, because like for me, I'm a little bit of a of a what is it called a smooth not smooth talk not smooth talking but like <laughs> I'm I'm Your silver tongue good yeah silver tongue like I have a pretty solid silver tongue so my ability to manipulate other players <laughs> using the social aspect of a game is not bad and so it's especially fun whereas some people <clears throat> like i know some people who don't like trading games because it right. feels like you're just always getting a worse trade and helping someone else win it's like that's because you're not making good trades and like but why would someone why would someone make a trade that's mostly good for me and not them it's like because you have to convince them yeah and i'm able to do that and he's just that's just not part of his skill set and that's okay yeah yeah, I think so. As far as games that do follow this, that I am like, I know that there are some games out there that are hard on like the fellowship side. Um, and honestly, um, cooperative games fall on the fellowship side. And I do really enjoy cooperative games yeah. um, because you have to kind of bind together and I, you, it gives you this common goal to work toward. But I'm very interested in The King's Dilemma lately. It's one that I've just had my eye on. It was nominated for German Game of the Year last year. Not this year. Um, but basically, all you do in the game is you vote to pass or 
uh, pass or not on these uh, edicts of the king. You're basically the king's closest advisors. And all you do in the game is say like yay or nay to these different laws that are being passed. And you have your own little province that is either going to be benefited by this or hurt by this law, but you're not going to tell people that's why you're making the decision. <laughs> it has to be for the good of the kingdom. So all of you have like these hidden goals, but you're all also still interested in the kingdom prospering because then you'll also prosper by extension. Sounds like a really fun political thriller that um, I'm super interested in the social dynamics that that game will bring out. I have that game Oh, and I haven't gotten to play it yet. Hopefully this summer is when, when it's going to happen. We got right. it right before the pandemic started and then it was just that's a hard one, yeah, pandemic-wise. It's like a five-player <laughs> game at best. So anyways, and it's a legacy game, yeah. Yeah, so that's one that I definitely have had my eye on. I think I'll get it at some point. I just need to make sure I have the group for it. Yep. That's, All that's, right. That's great. Moving on to number six um, is Discovery, a huge one for board games. Exploration, this world exploration, I guess. Yep. Um, I think there's also like a macro and a micro scale. I think this idea of discovery is one of the reasons why I consider myself hopelessly addicted to board games. Um, oh, wow. It's the seeing a box, not knowing exactly what's on the inside, what kind of experiences and play structures exist in there, all supported by beautiful visuals and all of this. I think discovery is one of the reasons why board games are such a huge hobby for me because I see an endless array of things to explore and discover different roles and worlds and themes and rule sets and components it's all just there and it's a world that's just waiting to be discovered so that's like the macro scale right um on a micro scale it's just a very common theme for board games i mean you're looking at dungeon crawlers um What's the game that we talked about before? Uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill is a huge one in this category. You don't know which game scenario is going to trigger and why. You don't know what the house layout's going to look like. Yeah. So yeah, games with exploration. Um, the sense of unknown, this, um, like, you, like it says, uncharted territory. Um, there's not just territory, but also it's uncharted <laughs> and um, it's especially fun for that reason. So uh, one game that comes to mind immediately for me is Robinson Crusoe. Yeah. There is some actual exploration that happens, but um, besides just like you move your characters on a map and flip over tiles besides that, like inherently like explicit, like I said, explicit discovering mm -hmm. um, every single time you do something, there's just a chance that something's going to happen to you that you couldn't anticipate um, yeah. or not every time, specifically when you are doing things with one action instead of two, because mm -hmm. that's the action economy anyways. Um, and things happen and every, every time something happens, it feels like th there's that sense. All right. I guess basically every time you try to do something because there's a chance that something's going to go wrong, in a way that you don't know it yeah. feels like you're basically always in uncharted territory yeah and it just accomplishes that so well and it's a brilliant game i think especially because of the aspects of discovery yeah 
I would say I, I've been thinking for a while which one of these Quacks of Quedlinburg falls into because just it's one of my favorite games right now. And I think it's Discovery. I okay. think what it's I think there is a high level of sensation reaching into the bag and fondling the chips and stuff to pull one out. Cool. Like, but I do think what keeps you interested in that game is just the unknown of what you're gonna pull out. Like somehow it's a super satisfying experience just over and over to reach in and hope for the best chip and just keep pulling out. Totally. I think, I think that fits. I also th- would say it fits into the next category, which we may as well just jump into it. Um, yeah. The next category is expression, which says game as self-discovery, um, which allow for self-expression from the player through the gameplay. So any basically any game that asks you to be creative in some way, to cre- yeah. to take part in creating something, Cross Quedlinburg, um, you're creating your ingredients bag, your potions, and it feels like you're discovering these com- combinations and stuff through your self-expression. Yeah. Um, I would say that that is true of every game, for the most part, every game in the deck building genre, deck building and bag building genre. Um, and that's actually the main reason why I love deck building games, I think. Yeah. is because you are creating something from scratch every time. And for yeah. me, that's incredibly exciting to create, or even like an engine builder game. You are creating something and then running it and seeing how it goes. And if you made something good, it's going to work well. And if you made something that's not good, it's not going to work. And that is incredibly, incredibly rewarding, as well as just cool that you get to you get to see what you created in mm-hmm. action. Um, so deck building games like Eon's End, we talk about Eon's End a lot because we both yeah. love it a lot. Um, <laughs> but um, what are the deck building games? Shadowrun, Crossfire. There's other deck building games somewhere. Yeah, Dominion. I mean, even Taverns of Tiefenthal. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, even this is one area where. Um, Gloomhaven, I think, has actually shined quite a bit in its expression. You have this process of kind of building a character and changing yeah. them, and kind of picking what abilities they have, and you have to live with those decisions. But you end up with something that's like, no, this is like how I prefer to play. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel the same way about um, Spirit Island, except it's again on every every single game of it instead of a whole campaign of it. But yeah. um, you are you are the one deciding how you want to build your spirit and grow and change and the the game gives you so many tools to grow and to change in fact it's actually required that you do both mm-hmm. um that you're basically like forced to create something new and yeah. it feels new and it is new and it's fun every time and it's incredible so i think i would venture to say that the least utilized area of board games is probably expression and it's because it's a really difficult one to nail down um you're just asking a lot of the players to be creative and you're just putting a lot of weight on them to make it a good experience and so you also have games like i mean let's look at a lot of the classics actually 
did this pretty well. I mean, although they're not the greatest and more most interesting games now, but you have like taboo and categories, a Pictionary and charades. These are all part of this. Like the reason why they're funny and interesting to play is because each player's individual self-expression. Totally. I, and I think any, any of those like word games or like word clue games, um, our expression for sure um yeah. it, it's, it's asking you like to have a creative solution to a problem and if you do you might be able to actually win the game mm-hmm. i love that too it, it i think that expression is one of my favorites as well uh, very clearly um really on top of those things um like games that have expression there are games that ask for some amount of expression before the game even begins um, those are your deck construction games like yeah. Magic the Gathering, like Ashes, like um, Flesh and Blood is one I'm playing recently, Netrunner, um, Arkham mm-hmm. Horror, the card game, Lord of the Rings, the card game. There's a lot of them that I love. Um, and you basically create a deck before you even play the game. And then you play the game and both players have different decks or whatever. And you see what happens. And it's, it's a lot of mm-hmm. fun. The deck building that you do before the game is entirely creative um it's one of the reasons why a lot of people love those games because it's one of the reasons why those people those games become lifestyle games for that person Mm -hmm. because it is something you can do before and after you play the game constantly refining constantly trying new things um discoveries involved in that even um but the expression that you get to do is is a lot of fun for a lot of people yeah including me. I agree. I, I don't necessarily think this is one of my huge ones, although deck builders, I love deck builders. Um, I think expression is pretty high up there on my list just because I we've talked before that I think I like board games as like a proving ground for myself where I can, I'm presented a challenge and the challenge is like the minds of these other players and I want to prove to myself that I'm like that I have a decent standing with these other minds <laughs> that yep. through like my ideas and thoughts and the way I play a game if a game doesn't allow me variety to choose like how I want to play or what direction I want to go um I have a hard time with it if I just feel like I'm following a scripted path I'm like That's okay why am I doing this that's expression. You got it. Yeah. So I guess it is pretty high up there on mine. Although <laughs> initially when you look at the list of games, I'm like, eh, I don't know so much. Um, yeah. When I really think about it. Yeah. I think yeah, my so ability expression doesn't necessarily have to be creating something. I guess, right. But it is that like, I can play how I want to play. So like any sandbox games, mm-hmm. um, if you've, if you've played Western legends, you basically get to do what you want. And so that, that kind of game might be especially fun for someone who, who expression is high for them on their list. Yeah. All right. And let's jump into the last one, um, which is submission. Um, oh, the potentially the last one. We, I'm anxious to hear the bonus <laughs> ninth one. The, the bonus one. Get the ready teaser. for it. Um, so this one is actually pretty simple. I don't know how much we need to talk about this one, but it's submission, um, which is a game as a pastime. Um, I Can you tell me why they call it submission? Um, it's this idea that you're submitting yourself to an experience and you're just like 
Nine okay. Just, yeah, that's where that's where you're so at. So you're not necessarily like in huge control. It's kind of just like this, like, yeah, I'm here and we're just kind of like it's more of a grinding process. Not necessarily that it's um it is definitely like a grinding process in a way. Not necessarily that you don't actually have much say in the experience, but um yeah, I, I, it's that sort of idea that that's why submission is the word. I, I can't explain it perfectly. Yeah, I can find. we'll talk about it more and it'll become more evident. But just like this idea of um, we're here to pass the time. I think these are ones that they oftentimes are crazy brain burners um, as far as the economics, this um, this idea of currency exchanges and stuff like that as a main mechanic. Um, but it's just kind of like this. Uh, I don't know. It is really hard to explain submission. It's, it's definitely something that you see way more in video games, games like clicking games that you just like cookie click or whatever, or um, right. games that you kind of just grow a, like Farmville was listed as one of the options. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of video games that have just, that are just very pastime-esque. Board games are n- intrinsically more active. Like you have to um, engage more mm-hmm. at a minimum level with board games. So it's less common that you see this kind of thing but like i would say games like i don't know so again yeah like i don't really know it, it it's not that it's not a part of board games but it's just less there because you're mm-hmm. required to engage with a board game it's true they there's its, less passive moments i do think that there are a lot of party games that actually are very much just like pastimes so so like uh wavelength yeah. like i mentioned you could just all sit on a couch pull out wavelength and then just talk and yeah it might mostly be a pastime um i this one has always stood out as odd to me in the list because it feels like it's less about the game and more about why you're playing the game which i guess yeah. is kind of true about all of them but it's always just felt a little bit off again this is just a theory from someone um exactly so they they can be wrong one one pastime game or submission game that I do think um, fits really well in the board game hobby is Takedo. Um, oh, yeah. Takedo is a very simple set collection game where you're just walking along this path. Um, you choose which space you want to go to. The further you go, sometimes you get some really good stuff, but usually your turn will come even later um, because the person who's furthest back takes the next turn. Um, right. Anyways, it's a very simple game. It's very relaxing, very pretty. Um, mm-hmm. And it actually does have this feeling of just like a pastime. Yeah. Um, so there's one. They exist. Um, so that's that's the mission. Really interesting aspect of the of what makes games fun for board games. Less, maybe less related. Um, and then the bonus, the number nine, the ninth type of fun. This was, I don't know exactly who came up with this one um it was on the ludology podcast episode about this um this topic he suggested that destruction is one of the types of fun and the idea of absolutely destroying something someone else's something or even your own thing whether they built it or not um is fun hmm so what i would ask is if that falls under sensation as a sense pleasure um, sometimes it does but also when someone builds up a 
like a defense for something and like maybe it's like a war game they build uh-huh. up a, a really strong thing and then you go in and you just destroy it all and then it all falls apart right and i honestly wondered if when i saw submission i actually thought that's what they were talking about until i read more into oh. it that i was like and maybe like the word is like dominance or something like that like yeah the idea of decimating or just like destroying other people's creations or even your own creation it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody else's um there is something satisfying in that um i'm wondering if it falls into one of these because in in a way it's also challenge that's probably part of the competitive value is seeing others fall (laughs) maybe yeah i don't really know i don't think that's one of my types of fun i think that i and mostly hesitant when it comes to destroying other people's things. And when you start hesitating, then you know it's not naturally yeah. fun for you. And I, I would also agree with that. If it is one of these types of fun, and I would love to hear people chime in on their opinions on whether destruction um, or the other type of submission. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely know a decent amount of people who would be like, oh, yeah. And that fact that some people just like, something is evoked inside of them hearing that it's got to be fun for some people yeah yeah and whether it's whether it's a combination of these other things or not i guess is pretty irrelevant but yeah that uh it's i agree it's also not one that i gravitate toward either i feel really bad when i destroy somebody else's plans me too i i like make sure they know it's not because i don't love you well it's (laughs) it's always i always have to give I, I always preface the decision with, okay, listen, I've evaluated my options and I have these two options and one of them is clearly better for me. It's right. just unfortunate that it's also very sure. damaging that's, that's for you. That's kind of what you had to say. Um, yeah. So anyways, those are the eight or nine types of fun. I, I would love to hear which ones stand out to you as your favorite. Mine is probably challenge, expression, and maybe i don't know there's a few that cut that come to mind i love fellowship i love discovery i love fantasy and narrative i don't really care about submission i do love sensation too i kind of love fun in general how about that yeah i was gonna say i think i on some level i definitely identify with all of these um i definitely think challenge and sensation are some of my highest um I love pulling out a beautiful board game and just looking at the pictures and oh yeah, the the mental challenge of trying to get through something. I know a lot of people are just like, I don't, I, I work all day. I don't want to come home and think more. And I'm yep. like, no, that's exactly what I want. I want to be <laughs> mentally exhausted after a game. Oh but... yeah, challenge, come on. Those are ours. Definitely let us know what yours are. If you thought this was interesting, let us know about that. We'd love to hear from you. Um, And we hope you have a great time. Yeah. Hey, great night. I don't know. (laughs) And we'll see you on the next uh, on the next podcast.